Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual tradition of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga is a familiar word to many today, but often it is considered to be a form of exercise. And those who are um, familiar with the spiritual um, meaning of yoga understand this term to mean oneness, union, or unity. And it is about bringing our attention and awareness uh to our essential spiritual nature, to be restored to our original wholeness, to abide in that which we are, the true self. This is self-realization, knowing our spiritual nature, who we are, and then how to live in harmony with it. This is the fullness of yoga. Uh, there is now a series on the Bhagavad Gita on the Yoga Hour, and this is um, our topic today, Living the Divine Song, the Bhagavad Gita as a How to Live Handbook. And joining us today is Brahmachari Prabodh Chaitanya. And Prabodhji is the resident Acharya of Chinmay Mission in San Jose, and he is a perfect guest for our subject today as his own spiritual call came when he read Swami Chinmayananda's commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. He then served for six years at Chinmay Mission Orlando in various capacities and subsequently went to India to participate in celebrations of the 50th anniversary of the founding of the Chinmay Mission. He studied Vedanta for the next two years under the grace uh, and guidance of Swami Tejo Mayananda and tutelage of Swami Ishwarananda. And since his appointment as Acharya of Chinmay Mission in San Jose, Prabodhji has been conducting Vedanta discourses in and around the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, welcome, Swamiji. I'm so delighted you could come back and join us today on the Yoga Hour Thank you very much, Alan. I'm very pleased to be there with you on this Yoga Hour, and good morning to everyone. And um, before we begin our dialogue, let's have a moment for a divine dialogue, for listening inwardly. Let us become aware of divine omnipresence by opening our hearts and our minds to it. One reality called by many names is the support and substance of all that is. 
That means in any moment, wherever we are, this divine reality is already present. It is present within us, it is present around us and between us. So anytime we want to be restored to wholeness, to abide in self-realization, remembrance of God, we simply turn our attention from the periphery of our awareness, from being involved with thought or sensory input, just turning that attention and awareness within to rest in the inner stillness of the self, of the soul. And you can let your breath help you do this in this moment. So when you breathe in with your intention, simply feel that you are drawing your energy, your awareness within like a turtle draws in its limbs. And with your breath out, feel that you are letting go, relaxing, and letting your consciousness expand. As we take just a moment of quiet like this, we begin to be aware that we are not our thoughts, we are not our feelings, but we are the conscious witness to our thoughts and feelings. And with that awareness comes peace. So take a moment to touch that peace within you. And then let us agree to take that peace with us wherever we go today and to inwardly share that peace with everyone that we meet. In this series on the Bhagavad Gita, uh, we have been looking at this divine wisdom in what is called the Song of God, the Bhagavad Gita, that has um, deep spiritual teachings about the nature of reality, the nature of God, the nature of the soul, our purpose in life. And then also, um, it is a very practical how-to-live manual. So we are going to take a look at how that is today, how the Gita can be seen as a manual for how to live in our daily lives. So it's helpful if we understand it, of course, as a spiritual teaching, as an inner story, uh, the story of the soul's uh, awakening to its true nature, this drama of self and God-realization that is the certain destiny of every person. And then we can see that it also has, of course, a very practical um, aspect to it that is supportive of spiritual realization. In other words, we have to arrange conditions in our lives so that are conducive to allowing this innate um, spiritual essence to be revealed. So the Gita tells us we must act in the world. We must be active. We can't refrain from it. But we can understand how to act in such a way that it is supportive of our highest goals. Prabhuji, what what would you say about how we can approach or see the Gita as a manual for how to live our daily life? Bhagavad Gita can be seen as a perfect manual for our daily life. We can uh, first thing we can learn is how to wisely engage in actions, how to wisely engage our sense organs with the sense objects. In other words, the right choosing of objects, appropriate objects, and uh, moderation in these interactions is the primary thing that we can learn as number one as far as our engaging is concerned. 
The second thing that we can learn is uh, how we can control our mind, how we can uh, divinize our own mind, based on which when we look at the world outside, when we look at people outside, that divinity of our mind will get reflected in divinity of people around, of the things around, and we will not lose control over our uh, calmness. So it will keep a very good uh, temperament, if you want to call, throughout our day-to-day activities and also in our life. So the key to takes would be my actions, my sense organs, and my mind. These will be in a good engagement with the world, with the sense of uh, divinity, which I get from Bhagavad Gita. Mm-hmm. So two really important teachings, and there are many, but I think you have mined the, the diamond gems. So moderation mm-hmm. uh, in how we approach our action. And, and Gita even tells us how it is we can find this moderation. And, right. uh, of course, learning how to purify the mind and control um, our sense urges um, there's a verses in the sixth chapter, uh, one mm-hmm. who is equal-minded, equal-minded, even-minded among friends, companions, and foes, among those who are neutral and impartial, among those who are hateful and related, among saints and sinners, that one excels. Let the yogi try constantly to concentrate his mind on the Supreme Self, uh, Remaining in solitude and alone, self-controlled, free from desires and longing for possessions. So, of course, this uh, being alone is describing um, meditation, but um, it's also describing the way that we can be with others. So that there is a a sense of um, that aloneness refers to a kind of self-sufficiency where we are not grasping, we're not trying to get something from other people, <laughs> we're not rejecting or, uh, or clinging, and uh, that is a kind of uh, uh, aloneness. Yeah. There's one more also I'd like to add. In Bhagavad Gita, consistently, pretty much in every chapter, the Lord talks about uh, how... A wise person would engage in the world with the people, with the objects, how he would face the situations, as you pointed out, the evenness of mind and activities. And Mm -hmm. uh, that interaction is uh, like in second chapter, as a man of uh, perfect wisdom or... uh, in third, in twelfth chapter, as a great uh, devotee, and that is an indication of how I can have a perfection in my life by following these uh, techniques and uh, keeping my mind under good control. As you gave the example during the meditation, that uh, which is there in second chapter, how a turtle would withdraw mm-hmm. his limbs. When the turtle sees that, you know, there is a danger of uh, inappropriately engaging or uh, losing our calmness and control, mm-hmm. and it will withdraw. I think that is uh, one perfect uh, positive example of what we should do and what we should not. And uh, there's another example also elsewhere, which talks about uh, example of... Uh, a moth, for example, which uh, sees a light and gets attracted by light so much that it puts itself into that light and gets burnt. Mm-hmm. So the aging is not appropriate. Then we create our own uh, disaster or destruction. And so we have to be very careful while engaging in the world. And that is the primary message of Bhagavad Gita, that the one who has tamed his mind and senses, like uh, the horses which are shown in the chariot, 
and is well controlled by the charioteer who is the lord or krishna which is the fine intellect then that individual's journey will be successful he'll lead to his final destination the other one who does not have the mind and senses under control of the fine or refined intellect that individual will be lost on this path in this journey of uh, samsara well and it's very you know it's so practical and it's so possible for us to see of course in our especially in our western culture you know so much is geared towards luring us to let the senses and uh desires in the mind lead our life and um you know when that happens we can be carried away um you know our vital force caught up in you know even perceived desires things that we don't really need and we find ourselves then bound you know to um these objects <laughs> that we were once attracted to and then later you know find they even lose their luster for us so it's very uh, yeah. very practical and um this uh, teachings that you've just offered swamiji we find of course throughout the gita but i'm particularly like the second chapter in the 64th verse that says you know a person of disciplined mind uh, who moves among the objects of sense with senses under control and free from attachment and aversion that person attains purity of spirit so you know i want to say that the gita is not uh Uh, it doesn't reject worldly life <laughs> and i think that's an important distinction to make it it is right. just it teaching us how to be in the world um and to enjoy living in the world but to be free and then um a very favorite verse of mine the 66 at 266 is you know for um well i'll read i read uh 64 so let me read 65 and 66 um in that purity of spirit there is produced for that person an end of all sorrow the intelligence of such a one of pure spirit is soon established in the peace of the self for the uncontrolled there is no intelligence nor for the uncontrolled is there power of concentration and for one without concentration there is no peace and for the unpeaceful how can there be happiness <laughs> so it's such a beautiful teaching um, um you know understanding that if we want to be happy in the world we really have to learn about the nature of mind and senses and um how to br- bring them you know under the control of the higher self Yes. You know, uh in the introduction about your own spiritual journey, um you know, it says that your first re- your first introduction, your inspiration, you know, to making a major change in your life <laughs> came from this inspiration of um Swami uh, Chinmayananda's commentary on the Gita. Can you tell us about that? How did that quicken your journey? Yeah, that's very correct. So this uh, Bhagavad Gita as uh, we are discussing now, you know, as a manual of life, I started looking at Bhagavad Gita as uh, something which guides me in my life and uh, life can be considered as uh, another battlefield where uh, there are a lot of unknowns so i got inspired by you know reading the commentary on bhagavad gita by our gurudev swami ji swami chinmayananda and uh, what uh, i took out of that is that just as in our battlefield you know there are so many unknowns so while we are working towards our main goal of life whatever pursuit that we have all these other unknowns that uh, come to us and uh, we have to tackle them we have to work with them and uh, without losing focus without losing our main focus of our goal we should also deal with these other things and these ups and downs are uh, part of life and we cannot uh, get uh, bogged down by the 
challenges that we get and forget what we are supposed to accomplish in this human body for which we have this wonderful birth. And so, during the study of Bhagavad Gita, I realized that, you know, just as God is always with Arjuna, who is a seeker, he's always with all of us in our journey. And uh, that the teaching comes to us in the form of our own inner voice or through teachers or scriptures. And just as Bhagavad Gita is there to reveal the true nature of Arjuna, the self of the seeker there, Bhagavad Gita is also there for us to reveal my true nature and what I am supposed to do, how I am supposed to live. And if I do not know my true nature, then the sorrows will not end just like how it happened for Arjuna. Oh, that is so beautiful. Mm. Thank you for sharing that with us. And it's such a hopeful message. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with our guest today, Brahmachari Prabhu Chaitanya. And when we come back from the break, we'll be looking more at how the Gita can guide us to a transformed life. We'll be right back. When listeners like you contribute to the Unity Online Radio Network, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Anytime a situation seems confusing or hopeless, most likely I am viewing it from a perspective of human limitation. Instead, I have the innate power to see any circumstance from a spiritual perspective by turning to God in prayer. If I am seeing only problems and not solutions, illness and not wholeness, lack and not abundance, I sit quietly in the silence and re-establish my oneness with God, affirming wisdom, wholeness, and abundance. I begin to see things differently, at one with infinite possibility. I scale the heights of human awareness and view the world as from above, expressing oneness with God in all that I think, say, and do. I allow my spirit to soar. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word, inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. feel undervalued, disconnected, or simply overwhelmed at work or in your business? Are you trying to attract what you need but are desperately worried about cash flow? What if the problems you're experiencing aren't problems at all, but warning signals, clues to redirect? What if those clues are being obscured by your blind spots, the things you can't see that are keeping you from accomplishing your goals? Find out how you can move step-by-step beyond your blind spots each week here with Karin Pettigrew, Wednesday mornings at 9 Central Time on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour.
Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Brahmachari Prabhu Chaitanya from Chinmaya Mission in San Jose. And their website is Chinmaya, C-H-I-N-M-A-Y-A, hyphen sanjose.org. And you can find out about their programs there. In this segment, we're going to explore what the Bhagavad Gita tells us about the transformed life in the beginning of the Gita, Arjuna, uh, the warrior spirit, the devotee, is filled with confusion and despair. He's paralyzed by doubts and can't effectively engage with the situation before him. And through the lessons presented to Arjuna by Lord Krishna, we, we begin to see before our eyes his understanding uh, be clarified and uh, the life be transformed. And so one of the questions that Arjuna has um, for Krishna is, well, what does, what does enlightenment look like? You know, describe the characteristics. He says this is also in the second chapter on Samkhya Yoga. Uh, Arjuna says, what is the description of the person who has this firmly founded wisdom, whose being is steadfast in spirit? How should that person of settled intelligence speak? How should that person sit? And how should they walk? And so he, he's asking, you know, what does this look like in a very practical way, you know, in the world? <laughs> how, 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 does, how does that person speak? How do they sit? How do they walk? You know, in other words, how do they live? Um, so what would you say about this, Swamiji? So here, I think uh, what Arjuna is uh, referring to is that uh, I want to know his uh, nature as how he is and also how people would think of him when they would look at him. So this is like how he is in his own understanding and how he is in people's eyes. And... uh, his own understanding is that uh, he knows himself as a true Satchidananda, the existence, consciousness, and blissful self. And uh, to attain this, he has uh, perfected his uh, mind, his sense organs, his uh, transactions in the life. And so, while he's interacting with people, he is this joyful perfect, calm personality that uh, knows when to engage and when to disengage, what is the right action for him, what is inappropriate. And in this way, he is able to live wonderfully in this world with this help of perfect knowledge that uh, I am that true self, the perfect existence, consciousness, bliss, And therefore, he derives greater joy from within, like how you presented in the morning meditation, that we have to dive deeper within and from there derive all the inspiration, peace and happiness and does not have to look around or worry about what objects are there for me to give me satisfaction and peace and happiness. So that Mm -hmm. is the key. And once this is understood, then life is a perfectly relaxed state. Our mind is very relaxed in what we do and how we interact with people around. Mm, yeah, and you have you've touched on the two core pieces of this. You you started with you know first um, the one who is awake, of course, knows who they are. You know, and this is the basis then of a natural discipline, because you know one is able then to live with purpose. You know, the reason <laughs> that people chase after um, the objects of the senses and get so involved in in the world in a way that is not useful is due to ignorance or lack of understanding, you know, what life is really about. So they're looking for happiness, you know, looking for 
for security, uh, looking for joy, but, you know, not finding it. So, you know, you reminded us that first, you know, this discipline is not for the sake of discipline alone, but it comes from this perspective of knowing the truth about what we are and what is actually going to bring us happiness. And then, you know, being able to live with this kind of self-discipline and moderation. There's a, a verse in the sixth chapter that says, for the person who is temperate, you know, or moderate in food and recreation, who is restrained in action, whose sleep and waking are regulated, there ensues discipline or yoga, which destroys all sorrow. And so right. it's giving us this way of, you know, being in the world, um, established in the self and being able to act from that center. And, um, and like you say, it's a beautiful vision of, you know, not only how a person experiences it with in themselves, but how that person is experienced by others. Because others too. Yeah, one who is established in yoga um, brings the sunshine with them wherever they go. Right? <laughs> you know, there's a beautiful As light. The sun, sunshine, there is the beautiful fragrance of flower too. Yeah, exactly. So there's a sweetness about about life, a joy about life um, that is very, very life-affirming. And so I think in some of these ways we can see, you know, how um, the Gita is such a practical guide. And so, you know, what are some of the ways that this change, this transformation that we see, you know, in the, in the clarifying of Arjuna's understanding, you know, how does this happen? You know, because I think the Gita actually, you know, we get to watch, <laughs> uh, you know, we engage in it in ourselves because we can relate to Arjuna and ideally we can relate to also this, um, the Lord who is, dwells within our own hearts. So we can, we can relate to that wisdom that is innate. We can also relate to the seeking uh, that comes from Arjuna. But what are some of the ways that, that makes this transformation possible in, uh, in the Gita, what do you see as some of the elements that are essential to this transformation happening? So I can think of a couple of points very clearly. The first one is that uh, the presence of teacher, when uh, that is recognized, that uh, I have a teacher in front of me and uh, I need to learn from that. The very urge for this learning will bring a transformation right there, which we can see in Arjuna's case or in the case of any other seeker also. The second is, so the first one is the presence of a teacher and learning from a teacher. The second is surrender to the teacher and having faith in the teacher. Because teacher might be there, he might be willing to teach, I might be willing to learn. But if I have not surrendered, if I have not developed the faith in my teacher, all the teaching I will not be able to absorb. So mm -hmm. at least I should have some surrender, some faith to begin the learning process. And mm -hmm. that is how the transformation will come. And it will be a gradual process depending on an individual how they accept the teaching. Mm. The third is that we all have, to great extent, balanced mind. The only thing is, under certain situations or the presence of some objects, we lose that calmness, we lose that control. So the seeker here, Arjuna, is able to bring back that calmness of mind as the learning proceeds. So that bringing back the composure and how quickly I bounce back, that is my individual contribution. And that depends on all the other spiritual practices that I follow while I am learning Bhagavad Gita in the form of control over mind, control over senses, you know, alert living in one word if I want to put it. So that's the other thing that uh, can bring the transformation. 
the fourth and the final one would be the clarity of knowledge because while bhagwan the lord was giving the teaching arjuna did not sit down and start doing any other practices in the form of meditation or anything but he absorbed it rightly and that clear knowledge itself will give the peace in the mind just like when the sun is covered by many clouds and we see there is all darkness everywhere all we need is little bit of uh, good breeze and the sun which is uh, shining it will shine forth again once the clouds are all removed so the cloud of confusion in case of arjuna was removed with the soft breeze of uh, teachings of the lord because of his surrender because of his acceptance of lord as a teacher and he brought his composure back and he was able to think clearly so mm-hmm. these are some of the quick ways to even absorb the teaching right away and the student can see the transformation but of course in the long run performance of the practices in the form of control over mind senses and uh, controlled activity will result in the true transformation in a seeker yes and when you talk about the um clarity of the teachings and the power of the teachings um of course this relates to um truth being innate you know this this wisdom that is given to arjuna is the same you know wisdom that is inherent uh to the self and so this it's a quickening that comes of one's own wisdom it doesn't come from the outside but it is revealed you know and mm-hmm. so that is why it is so so strong and you know really the gita can also be seen um as this manual of discipleship you know being what is needed one has to become receptive to uh transformation receptive to the teacher receptive to the teachings and um as you said surrendered you know meaning uh open receptive giving up um resistance and of course we see just this little drama you know in the beginning of the gita where you know Ar- arjuna is um in this crisis and he he makes the call for help which is the first step you know i think right, many people right. many people can relate to that and certainly i can <laughs> you know that 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 beginning of the journey is often that cry for help but even in arjuna we see you know he makes the cry you know lord krishna help you know help me i'm confused i don't know what to do um and but then you know before he listens even <laughs> he says I- i'm not going to fight i won't do it and so mm-hmm. you know it's like he's already made up his mind and and, and yeah. you know <laughs> and we see that you know that when we're confused there's um a tendency to defend our position um which he does through his whole lament you know he's giving his his logic <laughs> which is faulty logic uh and and then it becomes you know clarified and so there's um there's t- the turn that he makes and still there's this little resistance you know of self will well i want help but i really this is what i'm going to do and then that has to be transcended right that has to be surrendered exactly um, that under some side there yeah then so i i really and i appreciate so much um that that's included in the story because as i say i can relate to it you know uh, that so often um there is this cry for help but really the request is more um i want help in doing what i want to do 
<laughs> so I sometimes say, sometimes people come to God like a subcontractor. You know, here's my plan, yeah, yeah. And, and I would like your help with it. <laughs> but, but what we see is there needs to be this surrender of the sense of separate self and individual plan and opening to the divine plan um, for our lives, which is going to be so much greater than you know anything that uh, you know we could come up with on our on our own. So. Uh, surrender, um, faith in the teacher and in the teachings. And of course, uh, on the path, um, there's a foundation of virtue or dharmic living that is an important part of the transformation as well. And um, it's not mentioned so much in the beginning about Arjuna, but I think it's assumed, you know, about him that because exactly. Of yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, the yeah. name Arjuna itself suggests that the, the one who has, uh, who is straightforward in his dealings, mm-hmm. yeah, very good or uh, does not have the simplicity of character. Yeah. So we we sense that you know he already has that foundation, but for all devotees, that is another very important element. You know, right right living, living in harmony with truth. And we're getting ready for the break again now. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and you're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest Brahmachari Prabodh Chaitanya. Website Chinmaya hyphen sanjose.org. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. Coming up in the last segment, we'll talk about cultivating the divine life. We'll be right back. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, For Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yoga hour at unity.fm and we will respond now back to the yoga hour welcome back to the yoga hour i'm ellen grace o'brien and my guest today is brahmachai prabodh chaitanya in this segment we're going to be looking at how to cultivate the divine life and um the gita gives us really valuable insight into not only the nature of reality, the nature of the soul, but the qualities that are inherent in nature um, and everything that we experience in the body and, of course, also in the mind and how these qualities of nature called the gunas affect the body and the mind and everything that we encounter. So I'm going to um, begin with um, just a couple of readings from uh, Radhakrishnan's 
um, commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. Um, in the um, 14th chapter, the 5th verse, he translates it as the three modes, gunas, goodness, sattva, passion, rajas, and dullness, tamas, born of nature or prakriti, bind down in the body, O mighty armed Arjuna, the imperishable dweller in the body. And then in his uh, commentary further on, he says the three modes are present in all human beings, though in different degrees. No one is free from them, and in each soul, one or the other predominates. So people are said to be sattvic, uh, rajas, or tamasic, uh, rajasic or tamasic, according to the mode which prevails. The sattvic nature aims at light and knowledge. The rajasic nature is restless, full of desires for things outward. While the activities of a sattvic temperament are free, calm, and selfless, the rajasic nature wishes to always be active and cannot sit still, and its activities are tainted by selfish desires. The tamasic nature is dull and inert. Its mind is dark and confused, and its whole life is one continuous submission to environment. <laughs> so... What uh, what would you say about how the Gita as a practical man, manual tells us to cultivate the divine life by understanding what these gunas are all about? So these gunas and those chapters, the chapter on gunas, the 14th and then 17th and part of 18th chapter, it talks about how I can uh, have right kind of engagement so what to speak, how much to speak, where to speak, what not to speak, what to eat. So all details are given. Just to give an example, you know, that a wise person or the seeker should uh, exercise the control over physical body, over speech, over mind. So, and... Even in eating, for example, what is sattvic food, what is uh, sattvic action, what is sattvic worship, what is sattvic mm -hmm. faith, mm -hmm. all these aspects are highlighted, which all geared towards getting more and more knowledge, getting more and more clarity, and uh, even simple things like, uh, you know, regular worship, regular chanting, regular singing of some bhajans, recitations, noble and divine way of living, some meditation, and a little bit of study of scriptures, but it should be a regular one, then slowly all these things add up in the personality of a person, and that purity slowly evolves, and the individual is then attracted more and more towards good things in life. Mm, yeah, and it tells us, as you say, very specifically what um, sadhvic worship looks like, what rajasic worship looks like. You know, so for example, if you um, if if rajas guna is in the lead in our worship, we might be um, offering our prayers or our chants, but but we'll be doing it because we want to get something, <laughs> right? There'll be yeah, yeah. there'll be this uh, attachment, you know, to desire. You know, we're doing our meditation but we're, we're um, attached to, you know, a certain result from it rather than simply um, bringing forth uh, openness, a receptivity to divine uh, inspiration. Or, you know, giving is another example. It, it tells us if we're, if we're giving, uh, you know, with a rajasic um, nature, then we're giving because we want to get something um, or you know, with tamasic nature, then there's a reluctance to give. But with sattvic nature, we're giving um, because it is the right thing to do and we know we're participating in a positive way. So it gives us all this very um, practical insight about really first cultivating uh, sattvic mind, right, and sattvic um, conditions in life. But then it tells us that we also must go beyond even sattva. Right. And uh, this uh, going beyond sattva 
is something which will naturally happen when I continue to follow the path of sattva, which is the path of purity and knowledge. So going beyond sattva is not uh, in my hand. All I can do is, you know, understand clearly more and more about nature of sattva and practice it. And... uh, Eventually, I will transcend the three gunas and I will realize my true nature as beyond even sattva. Mm. Yeah, so you're, you're speaking about this, uh, this final liberation that comes. You know, we, we can cultivate sattva, live this spiritually awakened life as we, we, we know the truth of who we are and we have some direct experience of that. But there is also in the promise of the teachings that there is an ultimate release that comes, an ultimate clarity um, in which one is then freed from the sway of any of the gunas. And, you know, sometimes people don't understand, well, why would you want to be released from sattva guna? Because it all sounds so positive, but the yeah. you, you know the little the, the little bit of um, problem that can be there is then to develop attachment, you know, to um, certain experiences um, instead of being able to be open and free. So it's really about uh, ultimate ultimate freedom, and uh, and there's a. And the promise with that as well is that um, as we practice, as we do our sadhana and we we meditate, we study, we uh, open our heart through devotion, all these ways, there is a natural discipline that then comes. You know, so we start doing what we uh, know we should do, and it's a it takes a little bit of our energy and our will, you know, to direct our lives in the right way. But then ultimately, there's a natural discipline that ensues in in where we are just inclined and i think this is what you're describing with with sattva you know once there's more sattva um that permeates the body and mind we we're naturally inclined to do the right thing Mm -hmm. that's very correct and uh, as i mentioned earlier also you know if we can do a little bit of uh, spiritual practices in the form of some listening some meditation and uh, either some chants or some singing or even attending some such functions on regular basis will slowly create uh, positive vibrations, positive thinking, and that will slowly push me into thinking more and more further. It's just like how the physical body needs some immunity, and uh, as it uh, starts eating good food and it is uh, made available to good sunlight, good hygienic surroundings, that immunity slowly starts building up. So the same is true for our mind also. It slowly starts developing this immunity towards negative things, and we can stay away from there. We are not affected by the ups and downs of life, and we become stronger and stronger within and are also clear about our path. Mm, mm, yeah, that's a beautiful way to describe it. You know, this inner strength that grows uh, stronger and stronger. And I think, um, you know, in a sense, our taste um, becomes more refined. You know, a good example would be with food. You know, when you're used to eating um, tamasic or rajasic foods, you know, and you're conditioned to those foods, you know, whether it's highly processed potato chips or something like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you stop eating them and you're eating more natural food and mm-hmm. uh and then and then your taste changes so when you go back you know if you go back and you try to eat some of that food it won't taste good to you anymore so or um, even if you eat a little it'll give you guilt <laughs> feeling right away that you better stop now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so, you know, it's not, again, that we have to be out of the world, but we have this, again, this ability for for moderation. But, you know, <laughs> also I think our, our tastes become more uh, refined and we're more sensitive in, in <clears throat> in a way, to to what is going to um, be most supportive. So we are just about to conclude. We have just about one minute left. And so, Swamiji, I want to ask you, what would you say, a good summary 
of the Gita's wisdom is? So I have uh, two statements. One statement that I would want to make is that when somebody wants to become a seeker, then there should be a sincerity. It should not be a casual approach. That's the one thing that we should have. And uh, as our uh, Swamiji, Swami Chinmananji, he puts it, the summary would be, one should talk less, but think more and act wisely. Mm. So talk less, but think more and act wisely. And that thinking based on the study of uh, Bhagavad Gita, it will give us more and more clarity so with pure mind and clear knowledge, we'll be able to act wisely in this world. Mm, that is a beautiful, beautiful summary. And what we need to do that is found in the Bhagavad Gita. It's been a joy to share this uh, yoga hour with you. And thank you, Prabodhji, for being our guest again today. And their website, remember, is chinmaya-sanjose.org. And I want to tell you also... Um, that you can find some archived programs at the Unity website or on iTunes with Brahmachari Prabodh Chaitanya. One on uh, Love, Discern, uh, Serve and Meditate, Four Ways to Awaken from September uh, last year and Self-Discipline, The Key to Abiding Joy. So two programs. Um, join me next week as I meet with Michael Negler for the program Inside the Soul, The Battle We Must Fight Every Day, The Key to Wisdom. And I'll be beginning this Sunday a whole series of Sunday lessons on Bhagavad Gita at the center. You can visit csccenter.org to find out about those messages. Again, thank you for being with me today. Thank you, Swamiji. Thank you, Alan. It was my pleasure to be with you. And I hope everyone enjoyed the session with us. I'm sure they did. Remember now to let your inner light shine into the world and to share your peace and your joy with everyone you meet. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Universe responding. Universe responding. How do you really transform that thought you've held in your mind into a reality in your life? How do you work in partnership with God to co-create the life that you've always imagined? One way is through the universe-responding spiritual model for life. Each week, Valerie Crabtree will share how to use the universe-responding elements and principles to co-create your life through continuous communication with your higher power. She'll answer your questions using this practical, understandable concept, and your life will change. Listen to Universe Responding on Monday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. The message I hear with ease, I act to reach my goals. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. 
you are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you, but God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 